Welcome to Every Business Counts, the podcast which shows how money and numbers can support you to build a sustainable business. My name is Lynn Mann and I'm an accountant and a coach with over 20 years experience. In each episode, I will be exploring how money and your business numbers can help amplify the impact you want to make by focusing on purpose and profit. Because every business counts. Hello and welcome to another episode of Every Business Counts. My name's Lynn Mann and today I have with me Tabitha Jane. Tabitha Jane is founder and lead coach at Earth Self, the Earth's leading nature coaching and mentoring organization committed to helping established leaders and organizations create sustainable impact, influence and income that puts the Earth at the core of their business so that businesses can meet the challenges of the 21st century. Tabitha also trains coaches in transformational change with nature. I've personally known and worked with Tabitha for over 10 years as a co-student, a client, a colleague and a friend and have learned a huge amount from her, particularly around nature connection and bringing nature into your business. So welcome Tabitha, I'm really excited to have you here today. I am really excited and looking forward to this conversation too as well. Cool. Okay, so part of the introduction I took from your website and the one thing I want to start with is what does putting the earth at the core of your business mean? Ooh, good question. What we have to recognize as individuals, as businesses, um, is that fundamentally we function within the earth's ecosystem. When we look at um, research that's been done, the earth is actually the biggest business in the entire world. It contributes to I think it's $125 trillion to our financial ecosystem every year. And that was taken from one of the the Davos summits. I can't remember if it was this year or last year. So when we're putting the earth at the core of the business, what we have to recognise is that fundamentally without the earth, we have no business. In actual fact, we have no life. So therefore, when it comes to putting the earth at the core of our business, it is the most important stakeholder within our business. And we need to be acknowledging and respecting this so that not only can we make decisions that are good for people and planet, but also learn from the biggest business in the world about how to do business in a sustainable way. Actually, I really like how you've ended that, saying we actually need to learn from the earth, because I know, so I... um one of the episodes I did a few back was speaking to um, Jane Gleason White, and she talks about actually the the cost that we don't recognise that cost of the planet, which you've touched on just now. But what I like is you've taken that further in the fact we can actually learn a lot from the Earth, and I think that's one of the things we've tended to forget in in our businesses if we look at traditional businesses. They just um, focus within their own ecosystem and forget that extended ecosystem and where they can get inspiration from. Yeah, and I think the, the challenge also is as well, it's like if we want to look at the, the, the subtle difference between nature and the earth if we're going down this route, whereas you can learn from nature that nature in the natural world is actually only a part of the earth's ecosystems. And where we're sitting in today's world is that we're recognizing that we have all these complex systems that we've created that don't function because we've 
learn from parts of nature and how they work together instead of going straight to the root of being able to truly understand the Earth's ecosystem. Now, that's a huge task. Mm. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be as complicated as what people think it is, because we have a, a tendency, especially within the Western world, to stay in the mind, to overcomplicate things, to want the systems, the structures, the formulas, in order to be able to apply this. But in truth, being able to learn from the Earth comes from a far deeper place. It is that place of indigenous knowledge, that place of embodied truth, which can only come through the wisdom of the body and being able to bring what is traditionally considered soft sustainability into the business world. That's a really interesting point. So it's a case of we can we can learn, we can implement all the systems we want, but unless we actually take it deeper and tune in to our our own body, then we are not going to, to gain all the benefits um, from the earth. And just looking at that, because what you've highlighted is that we've got to almost use both. We've got to use all elements of of our brain, of our our body to actually move our businesses forward in the 21st century. So if you would look at traditional businesses, what do they need to do to change in the way that they're currently operating to bring in this indigenous wisdom to bring in kind of the elements of the earth so that they can meet the challenges they're facing? Um, well, one, they have to recognise the true value of this. And this is a huge piece that is, is, is not just unique to, to my work, but is being done by a lot of other people. And this is the, the, the quantification of the natural world to put a financial value on it. Now, I know that there is a huge debate of whether or not we should quantify nature because it could potentially lead to the exploitation of the natural world if we're making financial decisions based on the value that we're perceiving. When we accept the way that the world is, not the way that the world is we want it to be, we have to recognise that currently, whether we like it or not, we are functioning within an ecosystem, within a business system that focuses finances as the primary driver. So therefore, being able to have that evidence allows us to start showing the shift. But that's that's simply just the starting point. Where this also ties into is leadership development and looking at organisational development as well. Fundamentally, humans create an organisation. So the systems and the processes that exist within an organisation are nothing more than a reflection of the state of awareness that exists within every single business or every single individual within the business. So what we are really looking at doing is recognising that there's actually no separation between sustainability, there's no separation between wellness, there's no separation between leadership development, business development. They're all aspects of the same thing. And when we're able to weave them together, then we can start coming from that place where we're not just spending time in our head looking at the financial decisions and the metrics and how we can get a return on investment. But we're also bringing in, in essence, the human heart, which is the the root of our connection, and we're tapping into that embodied knowledge. But in order to start doing that, we have to make it safe for people within organisations to be able to do that, because otherwise it's too risky. And it is uncomfortable for many people to come in and bring their full self into work. And traditionally, we've been told to 
separate work and keep our, our lives private and not talk about anything that goes on because it's not relevant. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, you, you say that because it is, I was speaking to somebody recently who's shared that um, they've been working with somebody who when basically when they went into work and ran their businesses, they operated in a whole new different set of values and it actually made them ill. So if we come away from that and what you're saying is that um, there's a number of key points there, but looking at actually the creating that space and that safety to allow people to be themselves and to bring them whole selves into the business, which then allows them to be more creative, innovative. It allows them to connect with people on different levels rather than just being that person that has to operate within the the framework that they think they're expected to operate within. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is the problem because people, as you so clearly highlighted, they have different sets of values. They go into business and they're forced into a set of business values. Um, but even when we're looking at organizations may have nice values, but how much are they embodied within the organization, embodied within the culture? Because whether we like it or not, we do not learn from what's written down. We learn from the behavior that is being modeled around us. So if we're coming into a culture that hasn't actually been made explicit with all the hidden norms, rules and functions, we are going to respond to what is not being said rather than what is being said. Okay, so in that instance, then how would an organization, so say they're, they're struggling to, to bring, because, you know, we both know the cost of absenteeism and presenteeism within organizations. And actually, that's generally a result of people not being engaged and not being as connected with the business. So how then would a business go around changing that um, within management? What does it need to to bring in to start to allow people or to encourage people to be more connected to the organisation, to, to what the organisation wants to do? Mm. Well, kind of know where I'm going with this. My answer is nature. Um, but the reason of why do you actually need to bring nature in? Whether we like it or not, many, many organisations have highly toxic cultures that are making people ill. And that's leading to all of those issues that we talk about. When we bring nature in, what we're actually first doing is giving people's brains and bodies a chance to reset so instead of putting wellness as something separate that you're keeping in a box, you're making it integral to how you start working. There's a, a great quote by Albert Einstein um, that many people use, and I'm going to badly quote it here, but it's like trying to change the world with the same way of thinking is almost, you know, going on to mishmash into another one of his quotes, the definition of insanity. Yet what we are doing within our organizations is coming in in this busy mindset. Oh, my God, I've got to get stuff done. And there's pressure and the world's got chaos. And look at what we need to do. And there's no time and there's no space. And we need to adapt and adjust and evolve. And all of that noise is sitting there inside what's not being said within the culture, within how people are interacting within the organization, whether people are consciously aware of it or not. So by bringing nature in, what we're doing is we're literally giving the human 
systems individually and collectively a chance to reset so that they can start functioning optimally and then we can start having different conversations that allows people to feel safe because what nature also does is create a sense of psychological safety that supports people to then open up to be more honest to be more open to bring their full selves in and it is only once we have people bringing their full selves into the organization that they can truly tap into that capacity for innovation creativity do a different way of thinking that is fit for the 21st century and allows us to learn from the Earth's ecosystem simultaneously. Because trying to learn from the Earth when you're still stuck in the head and you haven't even landed in the body and felt safe enough to open up and address all of the parts of yourself that you've maybe been kept hidden, because it's, it's not okay and it's not professional to bring into work, we can't expect people to be able to listen because it's a different way of language. And the language of nature, the language of Earth, is a non verbal language and not only that when we, we look at it you know using the analogy of, of forests so trees communicate between themselves within the forest the thing is though that these chemical responses that allow them to communicate happen a third slower than the average human communication so if we, we look at this from an embodied earth perspective we have all of nature working in a slower rhythm, using that, that lousy quote, nature accomplishes everything, but it does not hurry. And what we have is all of these human beings running around going, oh my goodness, we don't know what's going on. Quick, deal with this, deal with that. And the earth's just sitting there going, eh, it's not how you function. And you're going so fast that you can't actually hear the insight and guidance that you could possibly give. And I say we, so I'm, I'm kind of, making them into human beings because it's sometimes easier for people to understand um, nature as a, as a, as a person. Um, but we're missing all this wisdom because we don't have the capacity to slow down and listen to it, but it's also understanding that reciprocal relationship between us and the earth through nature. But first, if we receive the benefits of the natural world, we can then learn how to function optimally in a better relationship with the earth itself. It's interesting going back to what you were talking about systems. So you've talked very much about the, the benefits for the individuals here and the benefits um, tapping into that that wisdom. And I just want to take it on a different um, direction now because going back to that um, tapping into the, the wisdom and giving something for the organisation to move towards, giving it a a reason for being. I know you've done a lot of work with the Sustainable Development Goals and I just wanted to understand there how that then fits into, because that's all helping towards the Earth, helping towards our planet as whole. How does then that fit into an organisation and help an organisation to be able to, once they've created that um psychological safety once they have been able to change their culture how does this support it to to move their bigger business forward hmm. so the sustainable development goals are something that's really really interesting and i know that there is huge debate 
on it. Again, it gets back to let's accept what is right now instead of predicting what could be. Right now, the Sustainable Development Goals are the only unified framework that we have that allows us to potentially create a unified framework that allows us all to collaborate together. Yes, there are hidden dangers in this. There is the potential for unintended consequences and for the Sustainable Development Goals to be used unwittingly as a force for evil instead of good. With all that said, they're the only framework that we have right now. And if people truly want to make a culture shift within bigger businesses, they have to recognise that the United Nations Global Compact is actually the biggest corporate sustainability group in the world. So whether you like it or not, big business is using the SDGs. And if you, as a smaller business, whether that's a, an individual or a micro-business or even a small to medium-sized organisation, truly want to interact and influence bigger organisations, you need to be able to speak this language. So what the, the Sustainable Development Goals allow us to do is not necessarily wait until we've got that culture of safety. You know, in an ideal world, we're going to focus on the people first, we're going to give that culture of safety, we're going to allow everybody to embody, reach their full potential, and then change the world. It doesn't quite work like that. Right now, we have organisations that have not embodied this wisdom and knowledge from the earth using these frameworks. What this does is it allows us to communicate more effectively what is our purpose within the world. And what I mean by that is there are 17 sustainable development goals, 169 targets underneath. If we bring it back, they can be broadly split into people, planet and profit. You are then able to look at what goals are most important for you, whether it be people, planet or profit, and to be able to identify the goals that you want to work with. This then allows you to create your purpose for your organisation in a vision of a world that works for everybody. So if we bring it back and look at ourselves, one of the, well, we've got three sustainable development goals that we've adopted into the organisation just now as we're looking at how to measure and monitor. Quite surprisingly, for an organisation that is focused on nature, there's very little about nature in our SDGs. We've got number four quality education, because that is the programs and services that we offer, knowing that when we work with people in this manner, we're contributing towards sustainable development and creating awareness of what truly is needed to create a sustainable world. Then we've got a decent work in economic growth. It's taken me a long time to realise um, that fundamentally, again, profit runs the world. I am not going to sit and debate the viability of that as an option just now, I am going to learn how to work with it and to create an organisation that contributes towards decent work and economic growth. And then Sustainable Development Goal 17, creating partnership for the goals. So this ties back directly into what is our self-purpose to help leaders and organisations create a sustainable world. What the SDGs really do is take that purpose and translate it a bit deeper. We use quality education to create decent work and economic growth and partner with people in order to achieve a world that works for everybody and leaves nobody behind. This then gives us a way of communicating more effectively. 
would I love to have all 17 in my business? Yes. Is it way too complicated and complex for the organization side that I am just now? Yes. But that is how we can start using the sustainable development goals as a framework to amplify our power, especially for small and medium businesses, in order to start facilitating that change. Because when we look at it, and I'm going to make a, a simplistic generalization here, generally, smaller businesses have the capacity to be more innovative, more creative, create that dynamic culture that actually supports transformation. There is a lot that corporates can learn from smaller businesses and vice versa. So how about we play to our strengths and learn how to collaborate more effectively? And it comes back to an insight that I had when I was 18, um, wandering through a forest and going, oh, I really don't like the way that this world works. And that inner voice whispered to me, well, if you want to change the system, you have to be part of the system. And I thought, hmm, I'm not really quite sure what that means. But it reshaped my entire trajectory of how I viewed life and how I was going to engage and show up within life because I knew that I wanted to make this difference, this purpose, which is the purpose beyond ourself, my individual purpose, the purpose of wanting to actually, again, make this world a better place for people, for planet, and recognising that I can only do that by playing an active role in the current system that exists instead of sitting on the sidelines and criticizing the system because of the way it works. I, I really do like that because what you're saying is that that actually we can object, we can criticize how things are doing all we want, but actually by getting into the system, by understanding how the system works, what we can then do is actually highlight and show by example how we can can change the system and I think what's interesting going back through you know you've kind of um, talked about frameworks not just with the, the SDGs but also um, earlier on when we were talking you know, we were talking about leadership we we're talking about all the different so we have all these um, different frameworks and then pulling it back you're saying that the, the SDGs helps you to almost have a, an overview of a framework that's something we can work towards. But at the same time, we have to be aware of the operator, the, the way the world is working to learn how to play in that world and to learn how to create the transformational change. So we can't make the change if we don't know how things work currently. Exactly. And what, what, what that is, is it, it's my favourite analogy. Learn the rules of the game so that you can play the game better. And what I have realised coming into business as somebody who, if you'd asked me as a teenager, um, if I'd ever gone into business or even been interested in law, which I was, but the, the, the ethical framework around it was so obnoxious to me that I could never imagine myself doing that. To be sitting and recognizing that the way business works is nothing more than artificial rules that we have created mm. that can be changed gives me almost a, a sense of excitement, determination, passion in that once I understand the rules of business, then I can play it better than anybody else. So that means looking at how do I 
take my work and, and grow it and dominate the marketplace that I'm in? How do I um, make sure that I'm a, a leader within the marketplace? Um, all of those various things, which is, is, is a huge learning curve. But that's what excites me the most because I do not view myself, even though I'm still a one-person organization currently expanding and starting to scale, because I've, I've designed um, EarthSelf quite strategically in terms of looking at principles of technology scaling, exponential growth in order to create something that functions like nature. Um, because I do believe that if I'm going to talk about this stuff, I also need to be modeling it within my own business to have that experiential understanding. Where it comes back to is, I now understand the rules of the game. Let me play it better. And I view myself in an incredibly powerful position to be able to play this game and recognize that, you know, the image is kind of coming to mind at this precise moment. David and Goliath never underestimate the power of a small business because the small business can take the slingshot, make one direct hit, get the cyclops in the eye and take it down. And that, in small business, when we combine together through the unified framework of the SPG, this is where I kind of sound a bit revolutionary and radical, (laughs) then we can actually take the power back from the big boys and we can harness it for our own good and determine and create the world that we want to live in, which is a direct value of ourselves. Business is a powerful catalyst for change when we approach it in this context. And how I also do business for myself is business is a spiritual practice. I get up every day, I figure out how I can let the earth guide what I'm doing and make sure that this is something that allows me to grow as an individual to tap into my truth potential. Because again, that's the, the, the premise and the values of the earth self's work. That when we connect deeply to nature, we can understand that embodied intelligence of the earth and become catalysts for transformational change. And before I go from another tangent, there's also an entire evidence base in adult psychology that I can bring in and back up that to actually validate what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and going back to the, you know, just reiterating that it, that it is that, um, understanding i like that understanding the rules of the game because you can then work out how to how to optimize what you're doing in that game and create win-win situations with with other organizations but then um going on to what you were saying about earlier about profit it's it's understanding actually what does it mean to create a sustainable business? Because a sustainable business has to, has to be economically sustainable mm-hmm. as well as being sustainable for the planet. But no, one thing we've always talked about as well is that it has to work for, um, those who are working within the organization. And that's often something that really does get forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And I just want to pull back onto what you were talking about with um, the earth and drawing on the wisdom and the how you start the day, you see that um, business is a, a spiritual practice. So what would you recommend um, people to do to start in a, a simple thing that they can actually start to tap into 
the inner wisdom so that they can start to give themselves that space to come away from that um, constant busyness and actually use that to help move their business forward. Mm. So those, I'm going to do two instructions simultaneously, depending on where people are. If you are not already engaging in a daily walk in nature, that's your starting point. To make sure that you are giving yourself that time and space. Now, we are recognising that we are living in the world of COVID. If you cannot get outside for a walk, find a window. If you cannot find a window, get an image on the wall. If you cannot get an image on the wall, use your smartphone to bring up an image. If you do not have your smartphone handy, go back into a childhood memory of nature and bring it up. I'm going to not explain the science behind that, but everything that I say, I could talk for probably another hour <laughs> yeah. on the scientific side of why this is working. With that said, if you are going for a daily walk, become mindful of how you are walking. Far too many people go for a walk and stay in their head and remain completely oblivious to their surroundings by focusing on what's going on. The most effective way to go for a walk is to become present and what we use in the, the Earth Self language, sense of natural presence, to become mindful and aware of the natural world around you and start using your senses to experience it. So that means consciously focusing on the sound of the bird song, consciously focusing on the sound of your feet as it hits on the ground, watching the leaves move in the wind. And sometimes if we are so much in a busy head chatter, what we have to do is start talking aloud. It seems a bit silly, as long as there's nobody else around, you're quite safe. But start describing what you're seeing. So it's like, I can see the sun in the sky. I can see the blueness of the sky. And I can see the way that the river is flowing. And when you start that internal dialogue, what you are effectively doing is reprogramming your brain and its neural pathways to start becoming more receptive and open to nature so that you can start tapping into those benefits of healing the mind, quieting the mind down, calming the mind down, and starting to feel present within the body. Because when we're caught up in the head, we forget that we've actually got a body attached. Mm. And that is the starting point for every single person. Because what shocks and amazes me is the amount of us, especially within the Western world, that is caught up within our head and the stories and the thought process. And while we can have large amounts of people who say, well, I do meditation to calm it down. Great. But meditation in an indoor setting, all that is, is actually support the indoor state within the body. You're forgetting the fact that you are actually a human being and you have a body. When you go out into nature, you are starting that reciprocal relationship, that dance between you and the rest of the Earth's ecosystems to actually receive that healing power that will actually help you come out of your head, into your body, and start that journey of becoming you. That's uh, a great way of describing it. And I know it's um, a practice that, that I've used and I, I can understand, you know, I'll, I'll walk around where I am and initially I'm in my head and then I'll hit the, 
the wood and I can immediately feel myself start to, to come down and to become much more aware of, of what's going on. And I think it's, um, you know, be worth even just now expanding on. So there's the benefits of, of bringing yourself down are not just about calming the body, reconnecting with your body, but I know scientifically, they've shown there's a lot more benefits within, say, bringing out the creativity, being tapping in into your intuition, all of which help you within your organisation. Um, is there anything else you want to, to add as to kind of the benefits that and how people can can use such practices to really help them within their, their business? Hmm. Let's bring it back to what you talked about there, creativity, intuition, innovation. And let's sit in that resting place, knowing that these are classed as essential skills to bring into business within the 21st century. So creativity, innovation, and intuition. You can only play and experience with them when you are safe. What you do in a natural setting is you create a sense of safety that is embodied because the natural world is actually supporting and enhancing that level of safety. It is why when good people go out for a walk, whether they're consciously aware of it or not, they can have their best ideas, which they then bring back into business. So if we're talking about the creativity aspect, simply by going for a walk in nature and allowing yourself to ground, that will then change the way that the brain works and allow you to become more creative by making different links. As we ground and become quiet, our intuition, that inner voice, again, can only be accessed if the brain switches off and we become fully engaged within the body. So again, that simple act of going for a walk, you can hear that inner wisdom coming through more clearly. Then moving into innovation, so we've established through creativity and intuition that what then happens is in the way that the, the body works, while it is plugged into the natural world, is it starts to become more creative and think differently. It starts to listen to that inner voice. Creativity and intuition of what create innovation. Yeah. And I just want to bring out one one of the things that you also pointed out there was creating that safety, which goes back to what we said, you talked about right at the start, the importance of psychological safety. So it's not just for within the culture of our organization, but it's also for ourselves. So it's also creating, giving ourselves that space and making us feel that it is okay to, to be creative that we stop judging ourselves. So we're taking our, our mind down to that creative space where we're in an area where we're not judging, we're not criticizing ourselves. And I think most of us forget that that's something that happens on a regular basis when we're in that busy space. So mm -hmm. it was just a nice loop back to the beginning of the conversation there. And that emphasis that nature really helps us as um, as individuals. We can doesn't matter if you're employed, you're running your organisation, 
you know, whatever your position is, you can actually help yourself by drawing on nature and you can bring that into your, to your business as well and make, um, changes in the way that you're engaging within your organization. Yeah. And there's one part that we, we need to bring into this conversation to talk about the self and the organization. What's happening, especially as many people are adjusting to working at home, is that they're learning how to balance work and life together. And it can be easy to get frustrated with the family for not giving space to work. If you are struggling with creativity, intuition and innovation, the best thing you can do if you have a family is to take your children to the woods. And this works better before we get to teenage years. You know, there's a whole scientific research that explains why this is. But take your children to the woods and look at the world from their eyes because they are masters of creativity, intuition and innovation because they haven't learned the the cultural stories that stifle that as of yet. And in this way, what we are then doing is giving ourselves the gift of being able to engage with our family in nature, knowing that this is actually creating a positive feedback loop that nourishes us as individuals, that we can then create a further feed-forward loop back into the business and come back refreshed and energised with a new way of seeing the world because we've looked at it through our children's eyes. That's a beautiful way of putting it. And as you say, that was the one was one element we hadn't drawn on and just going on to to the stories and what you mentioned there about children seeing things differently because they don't always have those societal stories so I just want to come on to my last question here which is focused on the stories so what experiences have you had or stories you learned as a child that have influenced how you look at money hmm. So I've witnessed my mother um, tell a story of how we never had enough money, um, which did create a sense of poverty. Yet that, I realised, was more a story that was carried on, I would say, on an embodied level from my grandparents. And what I mean by that is my granddad was Scots, dark pure, um, who, you know, lived in horrific poverty. Um, went over to Germany during the Second World War, met my German granny, who was German peasant and proud, but had always had abundance in her life, and brought her back to Scotland, much to the the, the horrified expressions of um, all the people who were like, you could understand if you wanted to go to America, but Scotland, Scotland's a backward country. What are you doing going there? And my granny came. And I would say the gift that she brought um, from her peasant background was this gift of abundance, of always having enough. And this dance and dialogue of my, my granddad's poverty compared with my granny's abundance has created this interesting dichotomy, whereas while my mum was saying we never had enough money, she had money and savings and safety pockets and nets that she had set up um, to ensure that she was never um, financially insecure. And that was a huge aha moment when I realised the truth of the, the story that my mother was telling me. And this 
has continued throughout my life, whereby we are not a family that would be defined by rich as any means. Yet my mother has always been able to help me out from a place of financial security, supporting me as I've set up herself, helping me out, managing that dance, and then even to be able to sit looking um, after my granny um, in the months before she died, after my granddad died, I moved in, as you know, then, and spent a large amount of time being my, my granny's caregiver, which was one of the most beautiful privileges of my entire life. And as I sat deepening the bond with my granny, I not only learned how much of the insight and understanding of nature that I had gained from her, without her speaking a word, if we talked about nature connection and sustainability, she would have poo-pooed you and said she didn't understand. Yet in the month before she died, I realised how much of a master she was at spirituality, at sustainability, and how she embodied it without words. And to have that privilege and to be able to sit there in a house with somebody who had more money than she knew what to do with, and she didn't need to buy anything because she had everything that she needed. Even as the carpet's there and got a bit of bare threads on it, what does she need to do? She's going to die soon. And to, you know, to quantify this for people, when she died, she had five figures in her bank account. Yet she sat there in a place of total abundance, knowing that everything that she needed was provided for. And that journey of recognizing that dance between poverty and abundance and seeing it play out and to be able to come and rest in a, a deep understanding of what abundance means beyond the, the traditional notions of profit, the abundance of people, abundance of planet, and expanding that, that is the story that is most alive for me and is manifest through the work that I do. Because if my granny can sit in a place of total abundance, knowing that she is completely provided for, that embodied experience of having that modelled to me is one of the greatest gifts that anybody has ever given me in my life. Because that creates a sense of psychological safety within me, knowing that if I trust, if I stay true to who I am, as my granny stayed true to her, German peasant and proud roots, then I can sit in a place of abundance and realise that everything that I need, the earth will provide me for, and the only responsibility I have is to recognise that this is a reciprocal relationship and I need to give back in thanks and in gratitude for the gift of abundance that I have received. That is just such a, a beautiful story and I think what's really interesting to me is as you because it is about the stories, the story of that your your granddad held, the story that your your granny held, but how they kind of played out in that dance. But the fact that you know your granny came from from being that 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 peasant with have not having much but recognised she was totally provided for and was able to carry this through her life 
and not be influenced by that, by the other stories. What came across almost was a self of calm, and it just really highlights how we can we can create these stories that we don't have enough, that we need something else. But all that does is um, create a level of wanting more, never being content with what we have. Mm. And what you're saying there is actually by by accepting and giving thanks for what we have, we appreciate what we have in the moment and we realise it is this, yeah, I go back to you talking about it, it, is a, it is a dance, even in the giving and receiving that then becomes a dance within our life that we need to balance. But recognising that becoming aware of the stories we're telling ourselves totally influence how that dance plays out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's the essence of it, because in nature there are no stories. We as humans create stories to make sense of the world and give us a sense of security. And fundamentally all this comes down to is What's the story that we choose to tell ourselves? Yeah. And that is a a brilliant way to end the conversation here. What is that story we choose to talk to tell ourselves? Because those stories weave their way through our business lives, our personal lives, through how we perceive the world, the planet as a whole. And it's those stories that stop us from moving forward. So thank you for highlighting that, Tabitha. And thank You're you welcome. for coming and speaking to me today. It's been um, great to you. Well, it's been awesome. Um, I, I I love our conversations, Lynn, and uh, how we can bounce off each other and talk about topics like this. And, you know, I'm grateful for the, the work that you're doing as well and for the journey that we have been on and that we will continue to be on together. Absolutely. Right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Every Business Counts. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not head over to our Facebook group, Every Business Counts, and share what you've enjoyed and your highlights. I look forward to sharing more with you next week. Bye for now.